Hello, all. Welcome to the Monroe Podcast. I'm Tom Prouchet, your host for today. And we're here today with uh, some gentlemen from Wolf Speed and Texas Instruments. So from Texas Instruments, we have Mark Ng, um, Sector General Manager, Hybrid and Electric Vehicles. We've got Jonathan Hayes from Wolf Speed, Applications Engineer, as well as Ty McNutt, Director of Product Marketing and Power Modules at Wolf Speed. So welcome, guys. Um, if you don't mind, if, if you could go around and kind of tell us what your roles entail and maybe just a little bit about your background, we'd all appreciate that. I'll get started. Um, so my name is Mark Ng, um, and I'm the general manager for electrification and uh, body electronics inside of TI. So uh, what what I do um, is I have a team of system engineers that work directly with all the car manufacturers as well as uh, you know their tier ones mm -hmm. on next generation you know car designs, whether it be for battery management systems or traction inverters or um, DC to DC converters and such. So we're working with our latest generation devices um, and, and next generation designs, which are hitting the road, let's say in 2025 and beyond. Ty McNutt, uh, Director of Product Marketing for our case module product line here at Wolfspeed. Uh, spent 25 years in silicon carbide device design, package and product development. Uh, and currently the team uh, represents the uh, case and standard power module product line targeting industrial energy and automotive applications. All right, Jonathan. Sure, uh, Jonathan Hayes. So I am an applications engineer and I lead a uh, reference design and hardware team for our case uh, power modules business unit uh, under Ty's leadership. Um, so my role is kind of, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of the technology, working with our partners like TI and um, developing these reference designs that we'll be talking about today. Right. And yeah, that brings us to those reference designs. So, you know, as a, you know, I'll give a little bit of my own background here as director of electrification from Monroe. My background is electronics and controls. I did a lot of embedded systems development through many years um, and the last 17 years focused on the electrification business. So, um, it's been a, a wild ride for me, but I am very familiar with the reference design concept and our, our viewership may have some familiarity with that. But in my experience, reference designs can be critically important to the development of a new product because it gives a developer a huge head start on whatever they're trying to design. And, and from what I've seen so far, the, the inverter reference design that we're gonna talk about here mostly is uh, a great example of that. It looks like a fundamental building block to build a lot of different systems that um, I'm sure your customers and Monroe customers and uh, you know viewers alike would all appreciate. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. So, you know, what was the reason for the reference design? Did you, um, you know, is it just kind of a mandate that you do this or was there a specific need or I don't know, maybe a client that drove it? Um, and yeah, maybe I'll, I'll pass that to, to Mark. He looks like he's got the smile ready with the answer, so. Um, sure, so I'll take a shot and maybe, you know, Ty and um, Jonathan, you can try as well. But, you know, within Texas Instruments and, and Wolf Speed, we really have all of the components which are necessary to make a traction inverter. If you look at Texas Instruments, we've got the entire portfolio, whether it's the microcontroller, which is actually running I'll show you this later, this FOC or field oriented control uh, for the inverter. 
or you're looking at the gate driver to drive the silicon carbide modules, which you guys have featured in your videos uh, on these teardowns and so on. Um, and you know whether it could be bias supplies. Um, but one of the things that we really need to make a, um, a traction inverter work is the silicon carbide module. And so we really wanted to partner with a leader in the industry, which is uh, Wolfspeed. Um, and their XM3 modules are used in um, all the latest generation um, traction inverter designs. And essentially we wanted to, together, create a platform that our customers could immediately test and get to market really quickly. Uh, so we basically, that was the goal is to basically, you know, show how to get uh, a working high efficiency design out the door. Nice. And guys, you, you have more to add to that? I'm sure there's different perspectives from different views. Yeah, certainly. That um, you know, Mark summed it up very well. Uh, partnering with with key uh, leaders in the field to bring automotive quality products to market is what we've done here. And with the XM3 module, we've designed the module such that the silicon carbide devices operate as fast as they can, as efficiently as they can inside the module. And so what we wanted to do with the evaluation kit was start to build on that so we could show the customer base how to put the proper busing with low inductance, capacitor selection, your thermal characterization and, and cold plate all go together to give you an efficient system. And then coupling that with the silicon and logic from Texas Instruments, we we're able to, to show the whole package to the customer. Then they can take that reference design, they can iterate it, put it in whatever form factor volume and uh, that they need for their system to productize it and take it to market. So it really is a nice teaching tool uh, to get started with silicon carbide to make it easier. And it has all of the software and capability as well. So it's, it's a very nice way to start. Uh, but as Mark said, all of the components then can be taken directly to, to production. So it's a, it's a very nice leap uh, from, from scratch to get going as a customer. So I, I would like to add one thing, which is, um, you know, we can talk about t technical mumble jumbo all, all we want, but the reality is that with, you know, the amount of electrical vehicles that are hitting the road, it's, you know, the car manufacturers are all um, in a way new to electrification. And so whatever help they can get to get these designs working is, is critical. Um, for Texas Instruments, we've been a chip supplier, uh, a semiconductor supplier, you've heard about that in the news a lot, right? Um, but it's very hard to just sell a chip by itself. And so that's kind of the goal with these reference designs. But we also wanted to take this one step further in um, allowing our customers to actually see what happens when we have the entire ecosystem together. So what happens when we have our uh, chips working together with a leading, uh, industry leading silicon carbide device? What is the efficiency that you can get um, what is the, you know, how many RPMs can you get to? How much maximum power can you get to? This is a fully tested reference design, which we did on an inductive load test, as well as on a, uh, a motor emulator, which we can show you later. Jonathan, I don't know if you have anything to add, uh, but, uh, you know, certainly weigh in if you do. Um, we have um, uh, a PowerPoint presentation, and I've got a, a number of different video clips that I've looked at. So very impressed with the way it comes together, uh, very simple to assemble, very easy to understand. Um, something that, again, uh, should be a huge shortcut for the developers of such products. Um, you know, let's, let's talk specifically about this um, silicon carbide 300 kilowatt, 800 volt inverter. So 
again, it's a traction inverter. It's meant to provide the propulsion force of a vehicle. Um, and yeah, 300 kilowatts is a good start. Uh, that's, uh, you know, in the ballpark, if you will, for uh, your base level EVs. I'm kind of a performance enthusiast, so I like that it's, uh, you know, 300 plus, if you will. Um, that said, um, it's clear to me by looking at it that it's not solely um, intended for um, traction drives it, with a different um, uh, positioning system, if you will, instead of using the resolver to measure the angular position of the rotor in a, in a traction motor, you could probably very easily change that front end so that it monitored 50 or 60 hertz and use it then for a stationary power inverter application. Is that a, a good statement? I mean, I don't want to, you know, pigeonhole this into just traction drives if, if it's not solely intended for that. So what, what can you say about um, alternate purposes and your intentions behind this reference to design being used for those purposes? Any thoughts? Yeah, I would say certainly that that the the three phase inverter can also be used as a rectifier, and then with that coupled to piece together yet another three phase inverter uh, to be a motor drive, right? So you can you can think about it as an active front end uh, in certain applications uh, to to turn drive a motor. Uh, there are a number of other applications on the industrial side, and, and you're exactly right uh, with a few tweaks and. Um, iterations on, on the software and how you operate the system, uh, you can easily start to test uh, in some of these other applications in your laboratory very easily. Yeah, Ty, Ty myself, Jonathan, I think we've all been in industry for, for quite a long time. Um, one of the things you'll realize is that, you know, this technology actually gets reused everywhere. So these concepts, which are maybe an industrial, like an energy storage type of application, um, you know, get reused in automotive, which, you know, I used to work on server power and before that working on telecom stuff. A lot of the concepts that we see in auto today are really just build-ons on top of these markets, right? Um, so technology just continues to evolve. It's kind of the, the materials, uh, the material science, the silicon carbide, these wide band gap materials, which has enabled an explosion of different types of uh, applications. Yes, um, it's an exciting time to to live. You know, it's as a developer watching silicon carbide evolve. You know, for years we could just get the diodes, and everyone wanted the switches. And then you know, it was like the holy grail. And then suddenly Tesla put it in a traction inverter, and it kind of pushed it over the hill. And now it's gaining steam. So, um, you know, been watching Wolf Speed, you know, Cree prior to that, and uh, it's really exciting to see it finally manifest into real products for me personally. So. Um, yeah, again, thanks for pulling that together. Now, one of the other backgrounds I have is model-based design. Um, my world was mostly, you know, in simulation with MATLAB and Simulink and things like that. And and I saw in the presentation that, you know, there's at least a, an accommodation for code uh, like that. Um, the uh, field-oriented control is a good example. These are things that could be intellectual property for your clients as they develop unique attributes. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give an example. Um, a lot of folks think about um, a permanent magnet synchronous machine motor, three-phase drive, you know, hook an inverter to it. Oh, look, it spins. You're ready to go to production uh, when, in fact, there's a lot of tuning involved, a lot of optimization. 
Um, so, you know, what can you talk about with regard to how your clients, uh, maybe Monroe's clients, uh, could actually use this as a platform for developing their own intellectual property? You know, I gave a couple examples. Maybe you can um, toss out some tools or methodologies that you've used for tuning, maybe even, um, you know, have some thoughts about specific examples. Uh, so I don't know. Um, again, you know, model-based development, customers developing their own stuff. Here's a wonderful hardware platform to do so. It looks as though you may be giving them at least a good head start in software. And, and you know, again, so it's kind of an open topic here regarding uh, your clients in developing. Um, you want to want to take that on here? Uh, I can take I, a couple of. Uh, yep, I'll I'll make a couple points here. So, the inverter reference design, um, which you can see, uh, you know, throughout the video, is really a programmable platform. So at the heart of it is the silicon carbide, uh, but it's also being driven by Texas Instruments, you know, uh, microcontrollers, which are programmable. And they uh, then drive these gate drivers, which are, you know, uh, efficiently driving these wide bandgap modules. Um, the nice thing about the microcontroller is that it, it runs a high-speed loop, and the reference design actually allows you to hook up to any motor. So, um, in fact, one of the things that we did here was we did basically inductive load testing, and then we after that, which inductive load testing is basically kind of testing the power stage open loop. Um, you're not really getting any kind of feedback for rotor position or anything, um, we actually moved this into a, a motor emulator or a hardware and loop simulator, which we can show you pictures of later. Uh, and in that, we put our own, uh, a real motor model into it. And so using this platform, one of the really cool things is that you can tweak it for whatever motor that you want to run. And you can test it to whatever standard, whether it be like a worldwide light harmonized um, passenger vehicle standard or, or a China standard or whatever. Um, the platform really allows for IP development, intellectual property development. You can have, you know, using TI's basic, um, you know, control algorithm um, together with, you know, your own IP, you can make it do virtually anything that you want to any motor that you really wanted. All right, nice. That's exactly what I was hoping to hear. Um, so I can, I can add something as well. That wonderful. You know, Please yeah, do. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so just speaking from the, the power module side and the power semiconductor, um, you, you mentioned model-based kind of development and simulation. Um, one thing that we really like uh, as a company is uh, the Plex simulation environment from Plexum. Um, so what this is is a uh, electrothermal uh, simulation environment where we fully characterize the power module, um, the cold plate solution, TIM, so the entire power stack up thermal management solution. Um, and we can model that and we can model the electrical performance of the semiconductor. Um, so customers can then take this model and run a system level uh, simulation for their particular operating points and understand you know, the bounds of the performance that they could get out of not only our modules, but this particular reference design. So that's that's one thing that we really like to push, and that's um, a tool that we use, and we provide all of those uh, models and information so that our customers can use um, as well to then work uh, in coordination with uh, what Mark said in terms of the control side. Um, they also have that electrothermal uh, simulation side. Very cool. 
So, you know, let's talk about some of the major pieces of code that go into this thing. Mark, you mentioned field-oriented control. That's a big one for me. Um, you know, just a little bit of uh, background on that. You know, you've got an electric motor. Uh, when you drive it, you can um, appreciate a more constant torque up to uh, base speed. And then beyond that, there's a little bit of magic that's involved with uh, field weakening or flux weakening to try to take it beyond the base speed. And in some cases, maybe two or three times higher than base speed. So this kind of is an example of what that intellectual property might um, be based around is um, when you get up above that base speed, it's difficult to keep your efficiency without some really accurate tuning. So my my question is about um, the field-oriented control. Is this also part of the reference design where someone has a, a good head start on that? Um, yeah, Mark, you mentioned earlier, so tell us what you wanted to say about field-oriented control. Well, um, I think you know a lot more about field-oriented control based on what you just said, but um, <laughs> yes, the, there, are, there are a lot of bright people inside of Texas Instruments that have written the um, FOC algorithm and that is available for free as part of our motor control uh, software development kit. And that is basically given out um, as, as part of this uh, when, you, when you purchase the, the kit. Um, but essentially, the FOC control algorithm has to run on hardware, uh, essentially these micro, microcontrollers that are you know, incredibly fast and have very fast what we call real-time control loops. And um, with that, you're able to run at let's say 20k of rpm which is actually what we achieved here or 300 kilowatts of power um, so it's not easy to achieve a high performance uh, inverter because you you need basically a, a very good control loop running on a very good microprocessor and then you also need a um, you know very good power stage which essentially is the are these uh, silicon carbide modules so very nice um so that, it's it's great to know that that's considered as part of the design and, and something that people can use as a springboard towards their own version of that. Um, you know, another statement about inverters, a lot of people don't think a lot about the efficiency and how it affects the system, but it's one of my um, things I like to remind people of is that efficiency is sort of a multiplier in the system. You can talk about having your 95% efficient motor, um, but you have to have a high efficiency inverter to be able to realize, you know, anything close to that. Um, so, you know, I love to use the example of if I have an 80% efficient motor and an 80% efficient inverter, I've got a 64% efficient system with their coupling because it multiplies. And that's not really intuitive for a lot of people, but it kind of, you know, heightens the importance of understanding the role the inverter plays in the traction drive efficiency and ultimately, you know, how many miles you can get from a given battery. So, you know, let's talk about the efficiencies you've achieved. You know, you've got a lot of work that you've done with motor emulation and a lot of data that has uh, come out of that. So, um, you know, you hear a lot of stories about um, efficiency being a fixed value, but we all know it's sort of a map. It's a function of you know speed and load. So let's talk about efficiency. What 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 sort of uh, efficiency um, achievements have you made so far with with this design? 
so I'll start there first. Maybe I can I can let Ty and Jonathan speak about it because I've actually got some really cool slides that I'd like to show um, to show you the results on it. But maybe we can talk about it first. Um, in general, the the key highlight for this reference design is number one, the silicon carbide device from from uh, Wolfspeed, and number two is we have a brand new technology um, in our gate drivers, which is able to fully utilize what we call adjustable gate drive strength. And without geeking out, right, it's basically um, putting the silicon carbide into a very um, efficient region to switch it really quickly without stressing it too much. And when you stress, when you drive it quickly, you're able to get more efficiency out of the inverter. Um, your question about how much efficiency we were able to gain, I'll answer that first and we can kind of get into it. But essentially, we were able to get a 2% gain on efficiency. And I'll show you how we got there. And it may sound like it's not a very big number, but it actually correlates to a very big gain, whether it can be a reduction in your overall battery size. You don't have to pay as much for a battery to get the same uh, mileage. You can actually get more miles per charge. Um, you can actually you know, save costs and um, get more miles per, per charge. So um, I'll talk a little bit later about you know, what that 2% gain in efficiency is, and I'll show you how we got there. But maybe you know, Ty, Jonathan, do you want to add a couple points before I, I share some data? Yeah, I'll, I'll reiterate um, <clears throat> what was stated about kind of daisy chaining the efficiencies. I think that's one of the things that we wanted to address with this design is that not only do you want to look at just the inverter efficiency, but you want to look at the inverter uh, coupled with the motor efficiency and then also the load profile. So that's where we take it all the way from understanding the losses of just the inverter um, doing the inductive load bench testing and then taking it all the way through uh, hardware in the loop testing and then motor emulation um, and drive cycle testing, which Mark is gonna, going to show how we got those efficiency improvements. So I think that's a really um, big uh, point that we are emphasizing with this design and, and showing the capability across the, the entire um, design cycle that a, a customer would go through. All right, very cool. So, you know, silicon carbide, one of the real big reasons everybody wants it, if you will, um, it, it reduces the losses, the switching losses, if you will. And everyone wants to drive higher and higher in frequencies, which means you're switching more and more often, but you, you know, you lose overall efficiency because of these switching losses as you do that. So, um, I saw in the, the presentation there's, you know, there were four different frequencies um, that you applied. And, and uh, yeah, I think, Mark, as you mentioned, you achieved a, a 2% uh, improvement. Um, what was that compared to, just for our audience's sake here, um, when you say a 2% improvement compared to what? Uh, so we, we look at, and you'll see it in, in the data later, but we look at basically using, you know, just one gate drive strength uh, across the entire drive cycle. So when I talk about drive cycle, there are these standards like, you know, the WLTP or, or CLTC. These are just, you know, basic um, uh, standards that each region around the world has. And it basically says that for a given duration, um, you know, what is the, the RPMs that you need to, to achieve? It's kind of like when you bring your car to, I guess, a smog test or something, you're you're kind of you know accelerating and decelerating. There's a standard you have standard that you have to go by. Um, the way that we took this data was we said, okay, if you um, apply the same gate drive strength throughout the entire uh, drive cycle, that's your baseline efficiency. But let's say you know when you when you drive a car, there are sometimes when I'm driving in let's say low RPM mode, maybe in, in city traffic, that's when my motor and my inverter are actually least efficient. 
And when I'm kind of driving in the highway and such, right, that's where I'm getting more output power and that's where the motor is more efficient. Um, and that's where in general, the, the you know, overall inverter is, is doing quite well. One of the things that we're doing in this reference design is actually toggling the gate drive strength such that um, when it's in low RPM mode, um, below a certain current threshold, I'm, I'm using a certain gate drive strength and above that, I'm using a different gate drive strength. So I'm actually switching uh, faster in certain areas so that I have less switching losses. And that um, ability to switch faster uh, basically gives me that efficiency gain or a gain in switching loss. So that, you know, just to paraphrase that, um, if I understood you correctly, then the 2% gain was just uh, solely as a function of the variable uh, gate drive strength, if you will. So that's remarkable because even comparing it to some other state-of-the-art silicon carbide inverter with fixed gate drive strength, then, yeah, you've got a huge advantage. And, and you know, those who have familiarity with the combustion engine world know what it means to gain 2%. That's that's a big deal. So, um, right. um, yeah, very, very good. Yeah. Silicon carbide, I would say, in <clears throat> just in general, over the IGBT technology in silicon, you eliminate that on-state voltage drop with that, that P-in junction drop that you see with the IGBT. So at, for your light load condition, silicon carbide gives you a much more efficient capability. And then when you couple in the technology here and start to get that additional switching savings over the whole drive cycle, you're seeing a lot of efficiency savings, which, as Mark was saying earlier, are going to save you on the battery, less battery per vehicle or longer mileage and range per, per charge. So over the whole drive cycle, we think silicon carbide provides an outstanding decrease in the losses, whether you're conduction losses or switching losses, which is helping efficiency on all, all the different modes of operation. All right. Um, you know, again, at the risk of geeking out a bit here, uh, this, you know, variable gate drive strength feature has a lot of other implications. I mean, yeah, the one that's meaningful to most people is, you know, an improvement in range, you know, and up to 2%. That's great. However, there's other benefits. For example, improved EMI. So a lot of people don't realize that a switching device, you tend to think of it as an on-off device. And if it truly goes from on to off, there's a rise time that's very vertical in its um, its look and feel, if you will. If you look at it on an oscilloscope, it looks uh, like the straight edge of a square wave. But what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, those edges are rich in harmonics that radiate in a lot of different ways uh, or conduct. And, um, you know, that can translate into problems with um, radiated emissions, RF communications, um, you know, the ability to have an AM radio that works, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, that is remarkable to me that you can use this for that purpose. Um, it, you know, and it's also for management of overshoot and I assume ringing too. Uh, you know, these are things that happen. You've got a lot of stray inductance, a lot of stray capacitance, um, and these things all weigh in like uh, little oscillators in the circuit. So by managing the, um, the variable drive strength, you can um, put some mitigation on those concerns. Um, tell us a little bit about that. You know, um, these are real world problems and, you know, 
how unique is this variable gate? Sorry, the, how unique is the variable gate drive strength feature? Is it an exclusive of wheel speed, or you know, are others trying to catch up to you quickly on this, or or maybe it's really more of a TI invention? Um, I, I, you know, help me out, enlighten me on that. Yeah, so the variable gate drive strength is basically a feature that uh, is part of the Texas Instruments uh, gate driver called the UCC5880. Um, and you can actually go ahead and Google it. But um, this is basically a, a, a novel idea that we had about a couple of years ago. Um, and I would like to say that we were first in industry to, to do that. Um, we, of course, uh, worked very closely with Wolfspeed to, to define this feature. Um, and we continue to work with Wispeed throughout the, the next you know, development cycles and so on. But in general, um, this is a feature that differentiates us from the rest of the industry because you're right. Um, if you look at a traction inverter, um, noise, uh, radiated emissions, it's a big issue. Um, and you know, you're in an inverter, all you're really doing is basically taking a DC voltage and creating a three-phase AC uh, waveform out of it. But in that process, like you said, um, you're switching the silicon carbide in, uh, very, very quickly. You're having lots of overshoot. Um, the risk of having, you know, EMI or damage uh, to isolation barriers or, you know, da damage to other components um, is is very high. And having this kind of adjustable gate drive strength, or sometimes you, in industry we do like flu rate control and such, it's just a, a way to kind of control those types of um, features. So. Uh, that is basically an area of innovation that that we brought into the market with the UCC five eight eight zero. Let's talk a little bit about the the switches themselves. Um, so the module that you've used in the reference design, of course, you know Wolfspeed has a whole range of modules. Um, and if you were to come to Monroe and Associates, you'd see our inverter table. We've got. I don't know, 15 odd different inverters that are all torn apart with different technologies. And you can see the different methodologies that have been used on the switches and we've torn them apart, looked inside and we understand them. So um, this one, um, based on some earlier slides that I saw, or um, I think it was the B-roll film, this one is built on a ceramic substrate uh, with uh, bond wires. Um, I, I just want to comment on, you know, what is the roadmap with Wolfspeed regarding moving closer to some of the other um, designs we've seen that might be better for um, thermal performance. This is like sintering versus bond wires. Um, you know, is there a, a sintered module in the lineup now? And if not, you know, when do you expect one? Or, or is there maybe a reason why you don't want one? Sure. Yeah. So Wolfspeed is, as a semiconductor company, um, you know, vertically integrated from the materials all the way up to the, the, the packaging and discretes and power modules. You know, we're always uh, evaluating and um, implementing, you know, the, the technologies out there to, um, you know, best design our modules, um, but really to uh, address, you know, the market needs um, and what our customers are asking. Um, for this particular module, the XM3, um, we've made design choices um, for our customers, um, making the trade-offs in technology and cost and, and things of that nature. So, so we're always evaluating. Um, centering is in the portfolio. Um, and, and of course, we're always looking at, at adding the new technologies to our new platforms. Okay, good answer on that. And, you know, and I truly appreciate that 
part of the reference design is the simplicity of it. I mean, it's not very hard to take the flat bottom of this module and connect it to a cold plate, whereas if you had some sort of pin-fin arrangement that had to go right directly into the coolant, that's a heck of a prototyping exercise to try to make something work. So, uh, you know, I, I truly appreciate the simplicity. And, you know, where I've had clients that have been adamant against the use of bond wires due to shock and vibration concerns and things like that, um, you know, certainly there's a lot of applications where there are no such concerns. Um, and this one may be quite robust, you know, despite using that sort of bond wire methodology. Do you have any sort of uh, a specification for shock that you can talk about? Or um, just because this might be much better than what others have thought about with the same sort of technology in the past. So, Sure. Similar to the my, my previous answer, you know, we, we address what the, the market is requiring. Um, so for this uh, particular XN3 power module that's in this reference design. Um, it is automotive qualified um, to the AQG324 standard. Um, so in that standard are um, limits for, for shock and vibe. Um, so we do test to, to that particular standard. So, so really, you know, we design, um, again, making all of those design trade-offs, you know, to meet the, the standard that would address the, the market need and what our customers are, are asking for. All right, good stuff. Well, we look forward to more good things coming from Wolfspeed and the silicon carbide realm. All the uh, the fervor around wide band gap is is now coming into focus, and everyone is uh, now starting to pay attention. Ti, thank you. You've you've stepped up to the table to you know partner with a world class company like Wolfspeed to bring this to market and provide a, a tool chain and a a surrounding chipset that makes it simple to implement, and uh, I, I, you can at least hear it from this developer. It's truly appreciated that uh, you've done that. So, um, I think are we about there? Yeah, I think this is a a, a good way to end it. And uh, I want to thank you know both of you, uh, Jonathan, and Mark, uh, for uh, a deep dive and a little um, you know deep dive into geekdom here, if you will. I'm pretty sure we've uh, satisfied the interests of a lot of our viewership as well. So again, thanks and uh, thank all of you for watching.